This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about paella. Yes. And thanks to Swati for the recommendation. I'm sure other people have recommended it in the past. Sure, probably, probably. But this was the most recent recommendation. She actually recommended a whole series on uh, rice dishes. Oh, right, right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, which I think is a great idea. But speaking of, you can see our rice episode and also our risotto episode, I think, Uh applies in kind of what we're talking about here and our tomato episode and our escargot episode. Yeah, and there's even a couple more um, that are coming up in the outline. And uh, our next one, super secret hint, is also oh. going to be related to one of these ingredients. What could it be? I don't know. No, no. <laughs> I think you do know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pretend that I don't oh, know. Okay. You definitely don't know. <laughs> also, uh I just highly recommend the escargot episode because we got to talk about really weird uh, yeah. biology stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think that was low-key what inspired me to get aquatic snails as pets because I was like, these things are fascinating. So good. Indeed. I mean, tasty and fun, both. <laughs> Feasty and fun. It's an excellent description. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have, uh, paella 
often at all. Uh, probably less than I can count on one hand how many times I've had paella. Oh, but, ever? Wow, heck. Yeah, uh, but I do love it, and I have a very fond memory of eating it when I went on a high school trip to France and Spain. That was the first time I'd been on a plane, first time I'd been somewhere international. So, uh-huh. I, yeah, uh, has a, a high place in my my memories. But uh, we learned how to make gin and tonics, and yes, I was 16, and sangria, <laughs> and I felt so cool. And then we had paella, and it was delicious, and oh. I loved it. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I don't think I had ever had paella until I moved here to Atlanta. Uh, there, there's a local chain of, like, Spanish-ish themed restaurants called La Fonda. And, yeah. and for a while, I was, like, straight eating their paella a lot. Um, unfortunately, I don't. it's not something that I order out very often because um, sofrito is often an ingredient and bell peppers are often an ingredient in sofrito, and that's bad times for me. Um but oh, I love a paella. Any any rice dish that has well, a any rice dish, b any one pan rice dish that has the capacity to have like a like a layer of crispy on the yeah. bottom. Oh my heck, mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing. Yeah, I when I was telling people I was doing this episode because I live right near a La Fonda. Um, so many people were like, "You've <laughs> got to get." Because I was saying like, "I need." I need paella. Uh, the craving is so strong. And they were like, go, go to La Fonda. And so I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. That's in my future. Oh, yeah, do it. Mm. Um, but I want to include a Seinfeld quote of the episode. Uh, this is from Kramer. Uh, <laughs> and he's describing Estelle Costanza's paella. Okay. Um, yes. And he says... Oh, it's an orgiastic feast for the senses, a festival of sights, sounds, and colors. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that's about right. It is it is a is it it is a festival. It is a festival for the soul, the taste, the heart. Ah. Uh, everything. Everything. And people do have very strong thoughts about paella. Oh my but, goodness, I didn't I didn't realize. But but yes, it does it does bring us, I believe, to our question. Indeed. Paella. What is it? Well, uh, the specifics do depend on who you ask, but uh, but paella is a savory, pan-cooked, short to medium grain rice dish that also contains stuff. Ooh, stuff. Stuff, yes. Um, that stuff can be um, all kinds of proteins and vegetables. Uh, the liquid that you add to cook the rice in there can be a water, broth, wine, a combination. Uh, tomatoes and spices like saffron and paprika and rosemary are often added. It, it's meant to be a dish that, yeah, you, you cook in this single pan. You get your aromatics going, like the garlic and the onions in, in olive oil. Then um, cook off your, your vegetables and your proteins a little bit. Get them nice and brown. Then... Um, uh, Add cooking liquid and rice in some in some order, in some order. Mm-hmm. Stir to combine, and then just kind of let it sit until it is cooked. Um, you don't you don't usually stir it that much after all of the ingredients are in there. And it's traditionally cooked over a hot wood fire in a shallow two-handled iron pan. And, and this pan distributes, and, and, and the wood fire too, both um, distribute heat across all the ingredients throughout the pan, allows moisture to steam out. Um, and yeah, it, it allows that, that, that toasty, 
crust of caramelized rice to form on the bottom of the pan. Oh, so good. Um, uh, in Spanish, it's called azucarat. So crunchy, so satisfying. Um, so, so you wind up with this um, uh, al dente rice, um, tender and, and, and comforting and carby um, in either a reduced broth or with the liquid totally absorbed. Again, this is this is a preferential thing, um, mm-hmm. and it it just winds up either way being a bright and tangy, sweet and uh, and warm and earthy, savory. And there are so many opinions about what is the right way for it to be, and what is the right way to cook it in order to arrive at that dish. Um, you know, how much should you brown the ingredients before you add the cooking liquid? How much cooking liquid should you add? Do you want that sucarat or not? Uh, do you toast the rice before you add the liquid? What, you know, and then the ingredients. You know, like what goes into your aromatic vegetable mix? Is it a sofrito with bell peppers or without bell peppers? Uh, is it okay to mix land and sea proteins? Should chorizo ever be in there? Someone gasped when I said that. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, like, but what rices are appropriate, it goes on and on. Like, even even stuff like um, like onion and garlic and paprika are contested. I will say that paella uh, valenciana, the traditional paella, typically contains, as its veg, um, string beans and lima beans, A, more connective tissue. Yeah. Um, if you're going for land meats, then rabbit, chicken, and snails are common. If you're going the seafood route, Usually, you wouldn't do both at the same time. Um, uh, shrimp, um, clams, mussels, crawfish, and squid are common. Around Spain, depending on the time of year, um, artichoke hearts and white beans um, are sometimes found. But it tends to be like a more like the the, the more simple, the better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the versions that you get outside of Spain are not really considered... They're like, that's not paella. That's like rice with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're going to revisit, especially in, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, there's a paella emoji. (laughs) And uh, a lot of conversation came up around, well, what is the paella emoji? What should be included in it? Does Mm -hmm. it really look like paella? Yes. Does it? Well... (laughs) Oh, 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 one, one more, one more uh, hint of controversy on top of that, though. What time of day should paella be eaten? Mm. Is it okay to eat paella after sunset? I cannot tell you the answer to this question. But some people say no. What am I going to do, Lauren? So I should eat it for lunch to be safe. Lunch, yeah. Solid lunch. All right, done. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, what about the nutrition? Uh, you know, of course, it depends on how you make it. Um, it tends to be calorically dense. Um, a good protein, light on the veg, uh, heavier on the on the carbs and the fats. Um, but, you know, like it, it is a meal that will fill you up and it will keep you going. As we always say, eat a vegetable, um, you know, maybe a nice light salad on the side. Don't take my word for that as being traditional. I just think you should eat a vegetable. Um, Lauren's just trying to look out for you. I am. I am. You know, I I just I just want, 
your digestive system and, you know, <laughs> She's macronutrient <laughs> balance to have a good time. I, I want your cellular structure to be everything it can be. It's because you're so kind and thoughtful, Lauren. <laughs> this, <laughs> this seriously keeps me up at night sometimes. I'm like not even kidding. We do have a responsibility as very awkward, clearly not professional food podcasters uh, to make sure people eat vegetable salads and the like. It's hard to eat food. I understand. Um. (laughs) It's hard to eat food. Unless it's paella, then it's perhaps too easy. True. True enough. Paella is one of the dishes that, like, if I have a a pan of paella in front of me, I'm like, so this is a single serving, correct? Like, this is just, I will just keep eating until there is no more, and then I know to stop. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that's the thing, right, is usually you cook it in that big pan, and unless you're with a big group and it's just you, the paella. Yep. (laughs) You need a group is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yes, preferably. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and we don't really have any numbers for you. I will say that in a lot of the articles I read, um, they said, you know, any Spanish restaurant you go to is going to have a paella on the menu, whether or not that is something that traditionalists would call paella, or if it's just rice with stuff in it, as you said, (laughs) which is a common complaint. That's not just you. Like, yeah. That is a common complaint thrown at uh, some restaurants that it's not true paella. Uh, But basically, paella has sort of infiltrated our international psyche, Uh, whether it is real paella. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, yeah. And and, and right. And, uh, you know, it's it's also important to remember that whenever we're talking about an entire country— You're you're not gonna it's not it's not gonna be a culinary monolith. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. if you go to different areas of that country, there are going to be different local foods that have been traditionally incorporated into cuisines for different reasons. And so, yeah, so when when you're talking about this con this concept of paella, it did originate in one specific place and and it's fine to have iterations. Mm-hmm. Iterate, oh, yeah. iterate away. Iterate away. And and there are so many iterations. And we do have a lot of fun conversation around this and around technology around this, actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. But first, we got to go through some some history to get there. We do. And we will get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, paella was the confluence of a lot of things. Um, It is sometimes described as the history of Spain on a plate. Love it. I I do. I do, too. Uh, The olive oil was a result of Romans planting olive trees in the region. The tomatoes uh, were brought back from Spanish colonization of the Americas. Rice arrived in Valencia via Arab traders and the North African Berbers that settled there in the 8th century. And rice took off particularly well there. Uh, in fact, eros, and I, I know it, that's not correct. And I Lauren, it's okay. I'm bad at the double R. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it sometimes, but a lot of times it sounds really pretentious to me. Uh, and also I fail at it. So, okay. You're, I think that was, that was clear enough. Thank you. I will take it. Uh, (laughs) The Spanish word for rice uh, derives from the Arabic word for rice. And in the early days, uh, rice farmers in this this region often ate easy and cheap rice, just rice on the weekdays. And on the weekends, they ate it as a complement to a stew with whatever was in season at the time. And irrigation systems built by the Romans in Valencia made the way for rice to become a staple in the local diet by the 15th century. And speaking of Romans, uh, historians believe the pan used for paella, which is really important in this whole thing, Mm -hmm. originated with ancient Romans, and that the word paella comes from the Latin word for this type of pan, patella. In Valencian, it means frying pan or pan and is used for all kinds of pans. There's a romantic but widely dismissed story (laughs) that the name was bestowed by a young man who made this dish for his lover, our paraella, for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Or that it comes from the Arabic word for leftovers and more on why that is in a second. Okay. Yes. Um, The pan and the rice came together in Valencia. And farmers, perhaps particularly rice farmers in that region, are thought to be the first to whip up paella. Uh, They'd add whatever they had available to the rice, cook it in a large, wide, thin-bottom pan. Of note, 
it might have been a convex pan, which is not the case today, but because they were doing it kind of over this open fire, not yeah. on like a stove or what we have more modernly to cook it over. Uh, right. More, more like a, more like a, a wok. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and they would eat this for lunch. Lunch? Um, mm-hmm. And they would put all kinds of things in there, from snails to onions to tomatoes, sometimes beans. They would season it with spices like saffron and paprika or paprika. Uh, <laughs> and they'd mix <laughs> all these flavors and textures into this dish. Um, and at the time, snails were, were cheap, so they were the frequent choice for protein. But on special occasions, uh, people might use rabbit or duck or chicken. Um, and the traditional method for paella consumption was straight out of the pan with wooden spoons. Yeah, yeah, like everyone like gather around the pan and have their own wooden spoon and would 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 eat uh, communally together. Yeah. Yes. Um, but in other versions of the story, paella resulted from servants that cooked at royal banquets, and they would uh, take any leftovers and bring them home, cook them up over an open fire with rice. Again, this is probably a case of multiple instances of this happening. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. 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 The area around Valencia was uh, was famed for its quality and quantity of agriculture at the time. Um, you know, that, that good Spanish rice, uh, freshwater fish and eels from a nearby lake, marine seafood from the nearby Mediterranean coast, lots of game birds. Um, t- tomatoes, yeah, were introduced in Spain in the early 1500s. It seems that they were picked up more readily there than they were in Italy or, um, or England, which were like, what are these poison things? And <laughs> the Spanish were like, they're tasty. And they were like, no! Sierra Tomato episode. Um, Valencia is home to lime mines, um, not the fruit, you know, like the mineral. Um, and, and thus, the water and ground there is infused with extra calcium compounds. And this can help some plants grow and can also help some of the animals that eat those plants grow. Um, you can see our Kentucky slash bourbon episodes for more on all of that. Uh But some uh, Valencian cooks swear that the calcium-rich local water is critical to the final texture of paella. And, like, if they're, like, going on, like, a a road trip to the mountains or something, they will bring local water with them if they're planning on cooking paella while they're away. Yeah. I think I even read some restaurants in different uh, countries. Yeah, there's a rumor that there's been someplace in New York City, but like I, I, I've read that rumor in like five articles, but I've never read a name <laughs> of such a restaurant. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it, it's it's a lovely concept. I enjoy it. <laughs> um, and uh, and and all of this, all of this, um, uh, local tradition and culture around paella as it was developing, um, the Spanish Empire was at work, you know, still colonizing overseas including Louisiana in the mid to late 1700s. So one of the deep influences on area dishes like jambalaya is Spanish paella. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of Valencia's oldest restaurants, La Pepica, often comes up in conversation about paella. It opened in 1898 after King Alfonso XIII officially allowed 44 people to set up these small beachside restaurants. Okay. And many of these restaurants served paella, but a storm in 1924 destroyed most of them. And that's when La Pepica, in its current form, was constructed. So it existed before, but it got blown down. They rebuilt it, still standing. Its open kitchens influenced how observing chefs in that area cooked paella, because they could see in, see what they were doing. 
Ah. Yeah, I knew this was a popular product. Uh, La Pepica has been in the family since it first opened its doors with the same recipes and cooking methods, and it often gets the credit for popularizing one of the most beloved types of paella, seafood paella. In fact, I'm sure some people would argue with me and say that they created it. I'm going to say popularized it. Uh, yeah, but. I would. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I suspect makes that sense. second thing. <laughs> right, right. It makes sense that other human people would have also put seafood in this thing. If yes. seafood was what was available. Yes, but I will absolutely agree that they popularized it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as part of that, other kitchens did take notice. And they started making their own versions of this seafood paella. Uh, and later, they also take credit for inventing Vegetable paella, again, I would say popularizing is probably better. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and this allegedly they did in service of former vegetarian queen Sophia. So they oh. were trying to make a vegetarian version for her. For her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. And she's not the only famous name involved in this restaurant. Uh we also have Ernest Hemingway, um, who shows up in a lot of our episodes, so I gotta say. Dude just liked eating and drinking, you know? I yeah, I respect yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he visited La Pepica a few times in 1959. He spoke really highly of it. He brought it into the international spotlight, and he wrote about it in his book, The Dangerous Summer, quote, Dinner at Pepica's was wonderful. The seafood and the Valencian rice dishes were the best on the beach. Ah. I mean, that's high praise. Mm-hmm. And he was not the only famous patron either. There was also painter Joaquin Sorolla. Uh, one story goes that after observing this painter struggling to deshell and peel the seafood in their, their seafood paella, uh, the wife of the owner had observed this. And so the next time that he ate there, she peels and already shelled the seafood for him so he didn't have oh. to do it. Huh. Um, and other restaurants took note of this too and soon, quote, gentleman's paella <laughs> gained popularity. Okay, Okay, I, I will. Okay, I will put in here. I can't. I can't help myself. Um, if you're going to make paella at home and you do not at the table wish to uh, de-shell uh, or peel your seafood, but you're making a seafood paella, do cook the shells in the paella. It will add a lot of great extra flavor. Um, just yeah, just do just do what this nice lady supposedly did. <laughs> yes. And remove before serving. Yeah, post cooking. Yes. 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 Um, so go back to that rice and stew thing that, uh, we were talking about earlier. The first recipes for that in this region popped up between the 1750s and 1800s, the first written recipes. And according to one source, the word paella wasn't used to refer to the food, um, as opposed to the pan, which it was used mm-hmm. for, but the food specifically, it, what that didn't happen until the 1840s. Um, and an article about this regional dish but references to rice a la Valencia date back to the 17th century, and we can guess that that was similar at least. Mm-hmm. Um, by the mid-20th century, it was a popular foodstuff for laborers, this paella. Uh, before that, it was primarily eaten at family gatherings, and it still was, uh, but kind of mm-hmm. spread out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, paella really vaulted 
to the world stage in the 20th century. Um, After the 1975 death of Franco, the dictator that had ruled the country for 36 years, much of the country celebrated, and that caught the eye of tourists, uh, something only amplified by the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. And as a part of marketing Spanish culture to tourists, chefs really showcased paella, often in conjunction with tourism boards. And this transformed paella from a regional dish to a symbol of Spain, Mm -hmm. uh, something tourists expected to encounter when visiting the country. And this, in turn, led to real confusion about what the dish actually was. And there were a mess of interpretations and watered-down versions, just just a lot of confusion. So, to combat this, a group of Valencians came together, ranging from chefs to writers to just outright fans, Mm. uh, in 2013 to found Wikipaella um, (laughs) with the goal of protecting and preserving (sighs) this culinary heritage for Valencians themselves. They published a 10-point manifesto, an app, a map to find paella, a breakdown of ingredients they compiled after consulting 200 restaurants in Valencia, which you can reference. Like, if you're like, I want paella with this in it, (laughs) you can search it. It's great. Uh, A bunch of stuff. And in their about section, it reads, Today, paella, in addition to being the fundamental access of the gastronomic tradition of the Valencian community, has become an attractive world brand that is often misunderstood. Wikipaella is the organized response of the public to this imbalance between what is believed to be and what it really is. A source of knowledge and recognition around authentic paellas made by everyone. Um... One of the key members of the team working at Wikipaella, Jose Manuel Garcera, explained some of the difficulties they face. Quote, We realize the lack of understanding is as much our fault as anyone's. We can't even come to an agreement ourselves what constitutes real paella. So how can we expect the rest of the world to? In a radius of 60 kilometers, you'll find four very distinct paellas. Someone might say, I'm sorry, that's not a paella. What the hell are you talking about? That's how my grandpa always made it. Oh, I I love this with, it feels like every dish we talk about has this type of history of of disagreement and just impassioned, like, no, like, that is not how my grandparents made it, so you are wrong. (laughs) Um, And to this end, uh, there was, in fact, a uh, paella gate hashtag back in 2016 that that I believe was kicked off by um, English celebrity chef Jamie Oliver um, offering and then defending a paella that included chorizo. Um, the thing with chorizo is that it's it's a strong flavored ingredient. And so a lot of like paella purists, I think, would say that um, that it it's going to overwhelm the the delicacy of the other ingredients um, mm. be overpowering. So, so you know, um, if you need to read up on Paella Gate, it's a really <laughs> fun, bizarre rabbit hole. I found all of these articles talking about like terrible versions of Paella that celebrity chefs had made. <laughs> It was like, and another thing, Gordon Ramsay. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 Yeah, and I think that was another thing on Wikipaella is they said, like, 
everyone's going to say that their family recipe is the best. Like you can say this, this restaurant, you might agree, is doing a really good version. But your family recipe is, is going to be the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Food nostalgia um, is powerful. Oh, absolutely. Um, and speaking of like weird rabbit holes, I guess. Hmm. Um, in 2015, Guillermo Navarro and his ad agency were looking to promote one of their clients, a client that dealt in rice. Uh, so they decided to embark on a paella emoji mission. Oof. Yeah, and he called up Spanish chef Jose Andres for help, who later said of the whole thing, you can't just pay these guys off. You have to convince them that paella emoji is something that people will really use, that it is really important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Andres really wanted the emoji to reflect true paella and not just (laughs) rice with stuff on it. Uh, so the emoji was greenlit in January 2016, and this was after the hashtag paella emoji trended in March 2015 with 20,000 tweets that reached 35 million people. Still, when the emoji came out in December 2016, Navarro was none too happy. It had peas, shrimp, and mussels. Peas. 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 <laughs> so Navarro went Right to the source, the inventor of the first emoji in Japan. Yes, he flew there. Wow. He flew there about this paella emoji. Um, and his determination paid off. I, I, I read he gave a lot of impassioned speeches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the emoji was updated in April 2017, or at least it was for Apple. Some other platforms lag behind, and Andres later said... I am so upset at Bill Gates. Microsoft is the worst of the worst ones because, well, you look at this paella emoji and you don't even know what it is. Wow. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. He also called out Zuckerberg. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, okay, I'm looking through my phone's emoji right now and Mm -hmm. I, I, what I I can guess is meant to, to maybe be paella looks like just like a hot pot to me maybe like a curry it isn't the right type of pan with the two handles yeah but it's got like a like a like a chicken drumstick and green beans and are those lemons i'm not even sure yeah no it is lemons well that's what it's supposed to be lemon because andre's fought against that too he was like i'm not sure why they put the lemon in there but i that's the best we can get i will take it (laughs) The green beans are supposed to be in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. And it's it is to be fair clearly green beans. Um <laughs> and like and like a dark meat on the bone chicken is certainly not unheard of in a paella. So I feel like it's it's halfway there. I feel like Yeah. It doesn't scream paella to me. Mm-hmm. Well, what would scream paella to you? You know, I think of the seafood type. Um, also, uh, I think that you really have to have the texture of the grains of rice apparent. And I know that you're dealing in a very small medium here, so detail is difficult. But um, but but one of the one of the things that I kept reading about over and over again um, is how important it is for um, for the rice to be uh, uh, dry, like 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 individual grains, not um, not sticky or mushy or uh, mm-hmm. swampy. Um, 
I, I think that's the first time I've ever applied swampy as a term mm-hmm. to a food dish. And I hope it's the last. I never want to think about that again. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I, yeah, because the, which is why it looks more like a, like a pot of curry or something to me um, in, mm. in my apple emoji bank. Yeah. I texted Lauren last night <laughs> and I was like, is this the paella emoji? Just sort of randomly. Uh, so I was curious. What, when I typed in paella, that's what came up as an emoji. Oh, okay. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I think that's it. I mean, th- there's no other, there's no alternative that is more paella than that. <laughs> oh, I love how often we get to talk about emojis in here. <laughs> <laughs> It's an important part of our modern cultural landscape, you know? It's true. Yeah, and food is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll keep tabs <laughs> on what happens with the paella emoji in the future. Oh, uh, we will. But yeah, that's about what we have to say on paella for now. It is. Um, we do have some listener mail for you, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, You deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. 
And we're back with listener, listener mail. mail. <laughs> oh, that was lovely. Was it? <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> and I have the last say on this listener mail bit. You do. <laughs> so there, it was lovely, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> gong, gong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony wrote, Ice wines. When I lived in Massachusetts, my father created a tradition of traveling to Stowe, Vermont in August to attend an annual car show. When people hear Stowe, they think of a ski town, which it is, having the best slopes in the region. But Stowe is also wonderful in the summer. We continued this tradition until I was of age to drink, and then we started exploring other areas around Stowe. And one of these trips, we found the winery Boyden Valley uh, in Cambridge, Vermont, just past Smuggler's Notch. Hmm. Everything they offer here is amazing. To make the story shorter, we continued my father's tradition well past his death and extended it to my family with my wife and children until we moved to Florida. Boyden Valley continues to be our favorite winery, and we order from them over the internet. They boldly try new things and use the Vermont region to make unique and very appetizing wine. As much as I love grape wines, they make astounding blueberry, strawberry, discontinued, cranberry, and even rhubarb wines. Their ice wines are also immaculate, and I suggest you try them if you want to enjoy an experience better than what you had at Disney. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm into it. Yeah. I am into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I've got family from, from up around nearish there, like the, the New Hampshire, Vermont sort of region, um, but, uh, but I haven't done a whole lot of exploring. Usually when we're hanging out, we're, you know, just doing real tight family kind of stuff. So, oh, now I want to. Yes, yes. I've I've teetered on the edge of getting some ice wine. I found like three or four in Atlanta, available oh, yeah? in Atlanta, and I'm like, oh. Uh, I definitely have not been out to a store that would have it since we were talking about it. But when I go, when I go, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Only time can tell. Absolutely. Oh, heck. Uh, Kristen wrote, I had to write as I listened to the Scrapple episode. I grew up in Dover, Delaware, and Scrapple was always in our fridge, and I just assumed the rest of the world was as fortunate as I in that respect. I eventually learned that was sadly not the case, and I've had to explain what it is and how much I love it to many over the years. My favorite way to eat it as a kid was in a sandwich of buttered toast and ketchup. Now it's with a runny egg on top. The trick is to cut just the right thickness in a slice so that the outside gets super crisp while the inside stays soft. There's a popular flea market and Amish food market in Dover called Spence's, and lines for their scrapple egg and cheese on a roll sandwiches are often very long. My brother also tells me there's a local pizza place that offers Scrapple as a topping, though I have yet to try it. I currently live in central Pennsylvania, and while Scrapple is certainly a thing here, I've even had several homemade versions over the years, the brand I grew up eating, called Kirby and Holloway, out of uh, Harrington, Delaware, is not available, and no other kind I've ever had comes close to it. It's dark and spicy and just the best. So, to answer your question, Lauren, yes, you can have it shipped, which I have done in times of desperation. Otherwise, whenever I go home for a visit, I always return with several pounds to tide me and my kids over. 
piece of advice if you want to stock up and freeze some. Slice it first and lay the slices out on a cookie sheet to freeze. Then store them in a freezer bag. Or if you're like me and storing a lot, vacuum seal in smaller portions to keep it extra fresh. Uh, You can put the frozen slices directly into a hot pan and they turn out great every time. If you freeze the whole block and then thaw, it'll be mealy. Oh, I want this so badly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, this is one of the joyous things about doing a food show is that I not infrequently have cravings for foods that I've never had. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I have had Scrapple, but, like, I haven't had, like, that particular. I'm like, it just sounds so delicious. Mm-hmm. 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 And I love, uh, as as we've uh, I've as I've alluded to in, in past episodes, I love like regional pizza toppings. Yeah, and I love that there's a place that you can get scrapple as a pizza beautiful. topping. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh. It really is. It really is. Well, one day, one day. Um, mm-hmm. In the meantime, thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. Mm-hmm. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.